I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Mutant Ages, a podcast where we watch every single animated episode of anything to do with X-Men. <laughs> Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book pages to the Which means that we have to start with a a little thing called Pride of the X-Men, which is an animated show that is just a pilot and not a full series that, that came out true. in 1989. But before we talk about Pride of the X-Men, uh, we're just going to briefly take a second and talk about our qualifications. Uh, we were just going to talk about our lives. <laughs> we're just going to like say how we're doing. And No, we already had a show about that. We did. We originally did this other show, Insomniacs in the Morning. Which, Which was, was a morning show. Early in the morning, and neither of us would ever sleep. So mm. we're doing something different now. We're doing a show that's specifically about one of the things we love most, which is the X Men, and it's something that X Men, X Men saves, saves the, day. the day. I don't know if that's the lyric. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've been reading X Men comics my entire life, and we're spicing it up by doing this podcast. Really, like we're not that late, but it's at night, so we have more energy than we did on our other Possibly morning show. Possibly too much energy. This show That's is going to be a lot more manic That's than our true. other show. We were very sleepy. <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> um. So anyway, if you if you want to listen to our other show, you can. The archives are are at our our website, our media production website, atomicloopproductions.com, and it was called Insomniacs in the Morning. So yeah, it's pretty self explanatory. Plus, we just explained it to you. Um. It's also on iTunes. It is. Yeah, it's on iTunes. You can find everything over there. But anyway, you're already listening to this show, so you yep. probably like the X-Men, or maybe you like or, us. Either way, welcome. <laughs> you actually just don't like either of those things. We don't know why you're here. <laughs> if uh, you don't like us or X-Men, then I think you're going to have a really tough time with this show. <laughs> but I power to you for giving it a shot. Uh, so going back to our qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any? Um, I mean, we're both obsessed with the X-Men. We grew up on it. We were both kids that did not fit in with the rest of our schools growing right. up and uh so we i turned to comics when i was very young and obviously the animated tv series of x-men mm-hmm. so as a kid that was in the closet because i didn't i don't think i even came out as gay until after i was done with high school i think i rode that bisexual train for a really long time yeah but that's fine i, I mean, mean it's I think, a process yeah also it doesn't really matter it's like whatever you are is whatever you are and that's awesome um but you know, like, so I, I turned to the X-Men a lot, and obviously it would be cool to be a person that was different and had superpowers, which is what this is all about. Yeah. Uh, not what the Inhumans are about, cough, cough. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, X-Men has always kind of been a metaphor for queerness and just sort of 
alternate sexualities. I mean, I think that's in a minorities, pretty well-established metaphor yeah. in, this, in all X-Men iterations. Yeah, so part of it was me looking to that and being like, these guys are great. And then also, like, I really want to bang Wolverine. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Like, and who that's, doesn't, really? That's part of the whole X-Men concept is like all the x-men are baning and also you want to bane them (laughs) of course and i mean i I think that was where i hopped on board like i i did i did get into the comics a little later in life but the live action x-men movie came out when we were in our formative years and i think that was sort of a turning point yeah you know the age when you have a crush on on hugh jackman and anna paquin at the (laughs) same time halle berry (laughs) and uh, don't forget about halle berry in my case um So I I definitely think that that movie, the live action movie, played a pretty big role for both of us, just in terms of being like, wow, the X-Men are really cool. Superheroes are becoming very cool now. They're becoming more mainstream. The X-Men are a thing. We're not going to get into the whole movies right now, because maybe someday we'll do that as a separate thing. But I think it's worth mentioning that that's another aspect of X-Men fandom that, that we're... That yeah. we both embrace. And even though the live action movies these days have headed down a dark path, shall we say, <laughs> um, I think that it's worth revisiting the animated shows because they're really important to a lot of people and they're actually pretty good in some cases. So uh, maybe not so much with Pride of the X-Men, well, which we're about we're, to talk about. We're about but... to get into that. Uh, <laughs> oh, fun fact. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, Logan just came out. Which, uh-huh. But we are recording this before Logan. But uh, we don't know we how are, good it is. But we, we do because all the reviews are great. Yeah, I mean X twenty three is in there. Like you can't go wrong with X twenty three. You just can't. You can't go wrong Laura with Kenny's Hugh Jackman. And or, or Hugh Jackman naked. I mean that's cool too. Mm-hmm. He's, he's we don't listening. know whether or not he's naked. We just <laughs> he's listening to this podcast, naked. buddy. Quick, don't talk about his butt. <laughs> <laughs> is this podcast explicit rated? It is right. Are I mean, we swear we're gonna assume no? because you and I like don't know how to filter are we incapable of not swearing especially when it comes to the (laughs) x-men all right right. let's hop in okay so pride of the x-men was it so okay so we're not even starting with the animated series that's on the next episode this is the one off episode that was a pilot for a different x-men series that didn't happen which matter you already already talked about Mm -hmm. pride of the x-men which featured kitty pride joining the Mm x-men and going to battle magneto and the brotherhood on asteroid m uh, which is not how Kitty canonically joins the X-Men, but whatever. No, it's not. I do. We want to talk about that now or No, later? we'll talk about that later. Okay. And uh, the, it also had a spinoff arcade game that became more popular than this pilot itself. Right. Uh, especially Although for... apparently they re-aired this pilot multiple times on TV just when they like needed a 20 minute slot somewhere. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. And it, it's it's just like a weird standalone pilot that wasn't connected to anything that apparently they just kept tossing up on TV every now and then when they needed something. Well, also, it's there was bizarre. a VHS of it, which is what we watched off. Of. All right. Okay, so, so, so the let's... VHS starts out. With a really fun live action video <laughs> of Spider-Man. Is this fun? Okay, really? <laughs> with a weird voice actor doing Spider-Man. Yeah, he should... It was 1989, so like it's not like there was anybody who was particularly famous for portraying the role of it's Spider-Man all... Did you say time. it was live action? Because it's live action. I said it's live action, okay. but it's worth reiterating. It's live, it's live action. action. Before this cartoon starts, there's a live action segment with Spider-Man. And what is he telling us, guys? He's, He's telling, telling us you to, to register to vote. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't Which... even know if voting was if we were voting anything for anything. Then I didn't even look it up because I was just like in 1989. Like, what was I don't know. I guess. I mean, you could Google that, but I didn't. What's even... interesting about this is that he's telling people to register to vote, and he's also telling viewers to vote in state and local elections, which is like a pretty specific <laughs> request. Like, it's it's also like still legit. Like, people absolutely this... should vote in in local elections in addition to just presidential yeah. elections. He's, he's now more than ever. Spider-Man, you're still right, even now. Um, but it was like really, really weird to watch this 1989 video and have it kick off with Spider-Man being like, register to vote. Because first of all, were 18-year-olds uh, even no, watching this? Was, I don't think so. I think everybody watching this was children and Spider-Man's like, it's cool to vote. Yeah, chili dogs. <laughs> it's really weird. It's actually really cute, though. I don't know why time. I just reverted it to my Sonic the Hedgehog voice. Spider-Man loves chili dogs. It's like a classic <laughs> Spider-Man thing. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I It's it's weird. I mean there was a 1988 presidential election and So this George is just H. late. Bush maybe won. maybe they shot it when there was an actual presidential election happening and by the time this thing was actually released it was like too late. Yeah, but I don't think that's what it was. Whatever. I don't know I don't care. why I this I do want to mention, though, that during this segment, there's a bunch of weird flutes playing throughout the background. I don't know <laughs> Honestly, why. Honestly, by the way, you can watch Pride of the X-Men on YouTube yeah. very easily. Many like, people have re-uploaded it. It's the only thing that's it's not streaming everywhere. anywhere. So you can find this charismatic Spider-Man telling you to vote, and then you can watch this cartoon. Yeah. If you watch it, though, you're going to have a really tough time. Because He's... both Ryan and I had to pause it like 1,600 times while watching it because it's it's really confusing it's it so, is confusing and uh, we're I gonna know. do our best but i i was really baffled by basically everything that happened in this episode okay uh, so it starts out with a with, fantastic theme song which is it maddie's does, which favorite we just theme. sang a little bit of at the beginning of this show <laughs> it just I goes x-men x-men actually i'm a little disappointed that by the time the animated series kicked off it didn't actually do that like i mean i love the animated series song yeah right because it's like iconic but like i sort of love the idea that it's just this guy going x-men x-men and also singing lyrics like they wrote an entire song for this it's like the only actual it's like really 80s sounding it really is it's It's on par with like the transformers movie Mm-hmm. version of the I theme like, song. I love that song. I do too. The Transformers movie I song. I mean, it's it's in that same genre, but it, it's not a good song according <laughs> to traditional <laughs> definitions of good. Okay, so so there's all these animations in the opening credits that are playing during this fantastic, catchy song. And all of the animations are from this one episode. So you basically get to see to the entire episode before it plays. Because they don't have that <laughs> yes, much animation to work with. They don't have anything else to show. <laughs> so they just introduce every character in these opening animations. And then Stan Lee does the voiceover, the introductory voiceover for this episode. Yeah, which is, Stan Lee appears and he's like... I mean, he doesn't appear he's just doing a voiceover <laughs> well you know he, he appears in an astral form <laughs> he's like what's going on <laughs> i don't remember the the introductory voiceover but there were some some things later that i kind of remember i remember saying, but he, but i don't i just i just assume that he always screams excelsior because like that's his thing but he uh, doesn't in this i don't think no, but he does say he's like, actually giving a very dramatic reading about what's happening about how like mutants he's like mutants are hated by like everyone except for other mutants and sometimes they still hate them too like magneto so like uh-huh. you know that's he, more or less exactly what he says 
And then he's and like, he's like, some mutants are good and some are bad. It's pretty confusing. <laughs> anyway, bye. I'm Stanley. I like how Stanley's cameos, even back in the 80s, is just him like quickly saying something and then like scooting away as quickly as possible. Yeah, but he keeps coming back. I was like impressed by how much actual work Stanley had to do in this episode. I, so I anyway, am too. Okay, so it starts out this... with Magneto in a truck. Yeah, <laughs> because they thought that was going to be the best way to transport a guy who can control fucking metal. metal in a huge it's... metal truck. And he's in a weird cylindrical prison. Yeah, they did this in X-Men 3, the movie, by the way, where they transport him. Oh, no, it was Mystique. Never mind. But still, there's trucks involved and like. Right, but I mean, don't transport Magneto in a truck. Don't you got to transport him in like a plastic thing or something. Transport anybody that is Magneto or works with Magneto in a truck because you're just gonna fuck yourself over. Like, he, I like, mean, why his name is try? literally Magnet. Like, what, what else do you want? I mean, for whatever reason, he actually is trapped in this truck. That's true. I, I don't know why he's unable to get out, but he can't get out until Emma Frost shows up. Yeah. But until then, he's like trash talking the guards. He's like standing in this little prison. Yeah. By the way, I want to point out that this opening, the guards are like brutal immediately. They're just like, oh, yeah, they're like the mutants are terrorists. And then somebody one of them literally says, I quote, because I wrote it down, mutants. I hate them. The one we're transporting doesn't uh, or doesn't deserve to live. That's what yeah. it was. The one transporting doesn't deserve to live. And I thought that was like really intense to start That's off That's like the cartoon. first line. One of the yeah. first lines that you hear. Because we're, I'm they not counting Stanley. You out that way. Stanley's always talking, so I don't count right, him. Right, right, right. There's Stanley's voiceover, and then you come in on humans basically talking about how they're transporting this horrible mutant. Right. But I mean, they're not entirely wrong about Magneto in this iteration of him, because like, we'll get to it, but Magneto's politics in this episode are not... They don't make any sense. They're not as nuanced as the Magneto that we know from the no, comics. No, and I, I made a note about that later because I was like, the, none of this makes any sense. So anyway, Emma Frost shows up. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I mean... Oh, and Magneto's being transported by like the whole military, by the way. So there's all these tanks right, but this and is, shit. This is like the Brotherhood of Mutants comes to save Magneto. And like, mm-hmm. for some reason, Emma Frost is there. And I understand. I mean, like Emma and Magneto have always sort of like on and off work together. But I think at this point... Uh, like she wasn't like a founding member of the Brotherhood of Mutants because she was part yeah. of the Hellfire Club at first. So Emma Frost shows up, and I think they just wanted a cool female villain, and they picked Emma Frost for whatever bizarre well, reason. I mean, they were probably like, "Oh, she's wearing a corset. She's hot. Let's make sure to give her a witch voice." <laughs> she has a insane voice. <laughs> she in this shows version. up and she's like wearing this like sexy I'm lingerie. Emma yeah. Frost. <laughs> It's like barely an exaggeration. <laughs> no, she's like, no one can resist the powers of the White Queen. It's like, <laughs> it's like what's her, her name from fucking She-Ra? Who's oh, Madame um, Cowell? Is that who it is? The one that talks like that? There's all sorts of silly voices on well, She-Ra. Well, that's true. They like, all just Katra, sound like a, it's probably Katra the same voice Shadow actress. Shadow Weaver both have very Katra. silly voices. You know how I feel about Catra. She's just like, she doesn't even talk. Wee-oh. She's like, <laughs> She-Ra. <laughs> That's about on par with Emma's voice yeah. here. And it's the same time period, so it's fine. Anyway, Emma frees him first by doing something kind of cool that is within the scope of her powers, which is that she causes all the military guys to see a vision yep. of um, their tanks sinking into quicksand. They're like, oh, the road's been turned into quicksand, but it's just an illusion. Yeah, I didn't understand that as a kid when I first saw this. I was like, what? where did the quicksand go? I didn't understand that she was... 
because I was a child. It's pretty complicated. She, but I mean, at least just, it sort of establishes that she's telepathic or that she's got sort of these psychic. I mean, she powers. she walks in and announces that uh, she's like, I can control things with my mind, and I'm yeah, like immediately but forget that. It's not really well explained. I mean, no, nothing in this episode is. I I guess I only understand that part because I already kind of know Emma's well, powers. I was gonna say, and we understood like the idea of telepathy, but I don't think that was. Like, because even when I watched the animated series as a kid, it took me a while to understand Gene, the scope of Jean Grey's powers. Like, uh, yeah, or like when it's I read hard the comics, to animate something I, like that. Okay, too. I read the comic books in like the eighties when I was like a kid, and like I didn't understand what was like I didn't understand Jean Grey's powers at all or Emma Frost. I just was like, they just look cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you were like a child, well, exactly. so that's completely fine. So it's kind of funny that yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I think doing mind bending stuff is hard for kids to understand. Whereas, like you know, it could be like, oh, Colossus's powers is that he gets armor, and like of you course. understand that. So that's very easy to understand. And I mean, you know, later we see Kitty Pride's powers; those are very easy to understand. Yeah. But anyway, so then Emma has another power in this scene that makes no sense either, okay, is which is that she creates a beam of light that's shaped like a sword <laughs> and throws it into the truck, <laughs> which then frees Magneto instantly. Holy shit! I forgot about. I didn't even think that's what you were gonna say. I wrote down another okay. crazy thing she does because two seconds later she flies away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god, you're right. She's okay, so Emma Frost is massively overpowered. <laughs> She's just magical for some reason. She just like I mean, has the power is. to create a beam of light that she perfectly aims into the truck. She busts a hole in this truck and it <laughs> magically hits Magneto's thing, and then suddenly he's free. It's not explained how. He somehow uses the beams of light that were imprisoning him to shoot at the guards. <laughs> I didn't get that either. And, and then he breaks their guns, which does make sense because he's Magneto. But then he also levitates one of the guards somehow and throws him out of the truck. I think it's because the guard is wearing like SWAT armor. Under- but they Wait, don't that's not explain metal. that. That doesn't make any sense. Well, he's not. He's wearing like sort of a military outfit. And I guess maybe... He could like. There's technically if you have too much iron in your blood, magnetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he has iron wrote, in his blood. Maybe know. he's carrying metal. I don't know. But somehow Magneto levitates this guy out of the truck. Basically, shit happens in this that is like not according to what powers this people is have, like and that keeps happening. Of the cartoon, by the way. Oh, I know. By the way, we're taking a long fucking time to recap this because that was literally the first. Minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> there a lot happens in this 20 minute episode, like. The animated series is a little bit better, but like this is this is crazy. They cram so much information. It wasn't until I was taking notes on this that I was like, holy shit, there's like so much going on here. Um, Yeah, I know. So it's crazy. I actually remembered this episode as being significantly longer than it actually was. We both did. I was like, it's 45 minutes, right? And and then we looked it up and we were like, it's 22 minutes. Yeah. How is that possible? And two of those minutes is Spider-Man giving us a monologue about voting. So I know. And then the last two minutes is credits. So it's really only 20 minutes. Okay. So, um, okay. So (laughs) then it magically becomes daytime because like Link showed up and played the ocarina. I don't know. Uh, and it and it is like within the I mean I don't know I guess some time has passed so this asshole cab driver drops off Kitty Pride at Professor <laughs> Xavier's mansion and as soon as she gets out of the car she's like could you wait for them to answer the door and he's like fuck no I'm terrified of mutants and speeds away yeah, he, like just I mean like I'm assuming like, Kitty Pride didn't tell him she was a mutant because yeah. like like two seconds I mean she says she didn't tell anyone in a, in a couple minutes she says oh, that okay, so yeah, yeah. 
So then, then Kitty Pride walks in and nobody answers the door. And then the ghost <laughs> of Xavier shows up and he goes, don't be startled. And Kitty Pride is screaming because a fucking ghost is walking by her. Like, and he's like, don't, was, don't be afraid. I'm just a hologram of like, Professor Xavier. The man he... who wrote you a mysterious letter about how I know all he about your life. He couldn't take the fucking time to walk over. He knew when she was coming, obviously. And if, she, if he didn't, he has fucking psychic powers. So instead, she sends... He could, he's a telepath. He could project himself as not a ghost. I mean, I think that's <laughs> right. what we're supposed to believe he's doing is telepathically. I don't know. I, it's like yet another scene in this movie where I'm like, or movie. Why am I calling it a movie? Well, yet another scene in this show where it's like, I unnecessarily complicated, you know, I, like it's I, just yeah. like introducing another weird complication for no reason. Anyway, so, so Professor X the ghost of professor x guides kitty down this hallway so this was really strange because like the school is like empty except for five x-men it's like not a school well that's how you know? it was it was it didn't become a school until after the x-men movies came out and then they were like oh hey we're gonna put some actual students in here because i'm not counting like you know like the new mutants our generation x and stuff like that because even then it was still like like a team of like eight uh so right. it, it became like an actual school well, this is my X-Men Newbery showing then, because I was like, why are there only eight mutants total in the entire planet? <laughs> because, well, I mean, technically they were all super young then, too, because this is something that's referenced later. Uh, if you like I had, when I was researching stuff about Kitty Pryde, but like Colossus technically in this is only like 19. So, like, I guess like they were mostly late teens when they started. So. Just, yeah, it's I mean, Professor X is, is much older, but I think we're supposed to believe that some of the other mutants like Kurt, for example, seems very young. Yeah. Also, although they don't tell us how old he is. Yeah, but. it's it's kind of it's weird. It's it's one of those things that's always been weird about the X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so like I guess how old is everyone? It, it's we like they know. were starting the school, like Xavier was starting the school, I guess. But like also like it was called the School of Mutants because he was training them how to use their powers, not that they were doing well academically. Kitty Pride was the first teenage like student to join the school, like as an actual kid. And so, I mean, I guess that's what this episode covers is the fact that she's joining this organization, yeah. which for the moment is just known as the X-Men. And so Professor X kind of gives her a little tour and he introduces her to each of the other X-Men. Well, that first are there. he takes her, takes her over to Cerebro, which looks like a oh, light bright. True. It looks like Simon meets light bright. And he's like, this is Cerebro. And it's just like a bunch of colors like on a and wall. And he's like, this is how I found out everything about you ahead of time. <laughs> and I he's used... just like in the other room playing Simon. <laughs> pretty much i mean he basically used cerebro to find out where other mutants are which i mean this is all familiar to us you know that that's classic professor x but it is kind of creepy um so then she gets this letter from him and he knows she's a mutant and she's kind of has this scared moment where she's like that means i really am a mutant and she's been trying to sort of deny this part of herself right as a kid exactly um so he he takes him over to the danger room. We meet room. the X Men. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, tech, the X Men are they're, in the danger. Yeah, they're room doing right they're now. doing like a a weirdo. <laughs> I can't even do. <laughs> they're fighting like rocks <laughs> and plant monsters. They're like in a Mayan temple. I know. I I don't know what they're doing. I, it honestly. makes me laugh so hard because he's like he introduces them each as he as they're like fighting the traps that the danger room is setting up, 
And so yeah. they're like, he's like, this is Cyclops. He has optic blast that comes out of his eyes. And the thing they're it's making so him fight is like a statue. Way. It's like a giant statue rolling towards him on like a cart with giant arms banging hammers on the side. It's like something that would be a little like too extreme for even in like Legends of the Hidden Temple. And it's yeah. like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I, and he's like, I was like Cyclops barely is like following stuck in a net. along it's during like, this part. Yeah, and so then, then, then the next person is Colossus, and we already said he can sort of turn his body into armor. I'm sure people are familiar with those. Well, powers. he does. He actually doesn't explain that to Kitty at all until after Kitty thinks that he's died because a bunch of like the roof caves in on Colossus. And Kitty, I don't like, remember what he says. Kitty's at like, the introductory ah, part. he's dead. And Colossus appears. Well, Kitty is a fucking idiot in this, by <laughs> the way. No, she... They write her as being so stupid in this. It's really sad. Well, that is sad because that's the opposite of Kitty Pride. But, uh, I know. Uh, and people complained about that at the time, apparently. Well, we can get to that later. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know so about that. So then there's Dazzler, who uses the power of the sun to, like, shoot beams, well, she, according she, to Professor X. Yeah, but that's not correct. Professor X is wrong. Well, in this version, that's yeah, what Dazzler she Dazzler actually does. turns uh, sound into light. But thank you, but Professor this, X. It's nice the power try. of the sun. Good job, <laughs> Professor. I'm glad you got Cerebro sitting right there, and you can't get your, like, X-Men's powers right. And then there's Nightcrawler, who can teleport. Yep. And Wolverine, and I feel like he doesn't say what Wolverine's powers he are. He doesn't. He goes, this is Wolverine, and Wolverine just, like, kills some shit. But here's my favorite. He goes to Storm, and Storm's, like, controlling the weather, and I quote, and then there's Storm, whose ability to control the weather is not completely understood. <laughs> I also, that stuck out to me, too. I, I was, was like, like, really, dude? And then it just continues. I was like, what? what do you mean you don't understand? You just stated what they are. Like... Also, like, are you admitting that it's not really a mutant power? Like, what are you saying? I don't know, but get ready for Storm to do, like, all the work in this entire episode. Because, like, Cyclops doesn't do anything and neither does Wolverine. Like, Storm does I mean, I don't even know if Storm does. I feel like no one does No, because Storm's the one who's, like, and this Storm continues to tell them what to do. And then also, they are in a really perilous situation, which we'll talk about. And Storm will just, like, control the weather, even if it's in space. And, like, everything works out. Yeah, that makes no sense, by the (laughs) way. But whatever. So, anyway, Kurt beams... What order does this happen? I don't even remember. I think Kurt beams out of the danger room and meets Kitty. And as soon as Kurt meets Kitty, he's instantly creepy as fuck. I know, he's like, Fräulein! (laughs) And he's also like, what a beautiful vision I see before me. My name is Kurt Wagner! (laughs) And she starts screaming because... He looks scary, which is admittedly like that's crappy canon. and she shouldn't. No, I know, but, but that's canonical. But it's also like weird for, for, because why is Kurt doing oh, this? I don't know. Kurt's being creepy, but canonically <laughs> Kitty at first takes a little time getting used to how Kurt looks. So, I mean, right. I, I don't know. That's fine. She's but from it's, Illinois. It, I'm just you have saying, to give her a like, break. Kurt, Kurt is not giving her, giving her any favors here in terms of like how he's introducing himself yeah. because he looks unusual and also he's acting like a weirdo so it's like what do you expect kurt so anyway kitty freaks out and she like falls backwards through cerebro into the danger room because of her phase powers i don't think it's cerebro i think it's just the danger room controls it's like through the control panel and if she phases through computer and electronics it fucks them up that's part of her thing she's supposed to be like a ghost well, she does phase through that weird thing, yeah. and then somehow it's fine later. Wait, so. Okay, so but no, the best part about that, they're like, oh shit, the danger room just got set to extreme mode, and like, 
as she falls, like, w- like Storm just catches her with some wind and, like, the danger room shuts off. And I, so I guess it really wasn't that extreme because, like, Storm just was like, <laughs> she's like, everything is better. <laughs> Storm fixes the danger room instantly. Okay, so then we meet Wolverine, who's Australian. Yeah, okay, that has always stuck out to me because I, I would always, <laughs> I used to imitate him because he'd just be like, what's going on, Bob? And I'd be like, his accent is so absurd in this also, that I, I had to like keep rewinding it to make sure I understood what he was saying. I was it's also trying to understand to why he kept on doing this weird like rolling of the ton like cat growl thing. Because he's a wolverine. Wolverines don't do that. <laughs> I, I mean, they also don't have Australian accents. So really, well, they also took no time to explain any of the X-Men except for Cyclops. So. I know. So we don't know what Wolverine's powers are in this. So anyway, Wolverine is is like you know, kind of dismissive of Kitty yeah, okay. right now, out of the gate. Yeah, okay, this is great, because he's like, I don't believe that Kitty... Well, I can't even do, like, this Wolverine voice in this, because... I don't believe that Kitty is ready to be an X-Men! Yeah, pretty much. And then Kurt appears again, and, he's just, and he says, like, Fräulein! <laughs> she screams, Kitty's, and like, she's, like, screaming wildly. Yeah, and meanwhile, like, Wolverine's just, like, being an asshole to Kitty, and Storm just goes, she's like... Uh, I don't know if I wrote it down, but I... I she's She's, like, you know... Wolverine, don't you remember when you discovered your mutant powers? Which, weren't you afraid? Which, first of all, he doesn't. Cause, I know! But they just don't touch on that at all. And then he's he just, like, fires back some nonsense at her. And he's like, well, whatever. And so Storm, like, makes a miniature Creates storm. A storm cloud. Appear <laughs> over Wolverine's over head. head. Wolverine's, like, crying. He's like, oh, don't get me wet. <laughs> it's actually really funny but it's also like absurd basically they're acting like children in this scene well i love like i love how storm's just owning everyone i'm telling you storm has done the only useful things so far and continues to for the rest of this so then the alarm just goes off because like yeah we've wasted too much time on that cyclops is like mutant alarm (laughs) wait is that what he says he says something stupid (laughs) like that (laughs) <laughs> it's great oh my um, god and then that's magneto shows up with the juggernaut and they take okay so magneto and the juggernaut have been traveling to the mansion from those trucks this entire time apparently like they've just been walking well, on i don't over even know there. when he picked up juggernaut like they just pick him up on the side either. of the road i don't they know take, they do take the time to explain that juggernaut is xavier's brother uh, well, stepbrother yeah. they say that multiple times well, Xavier for some sits there and like as they're coming they're like literally charging the mansion and my Xavier's giving and this Xavier's huge like, monologue he's like he's like he's like oh that's my brother juggernaut my half brother and you can't get into his head unless you get his helmet off his head and blah 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 and everyone's like trying to see him it's like shut up Xavier <laughs> he says so much information during this scene he like Magneto and Juggernaut are literally breaking into the mansion and Kitty's like screaming <laughs> they're getting into the mansion and it, Professor Xavier's like let me tell you more information about these terrorist mutants they're bad guys and if they take over the planet Magneto will turn all humans into slaves right. I wrote that down because it was insane uh, dude, and like I, there's like so many insane things here because then immediately after that he's like oh he must be after the mutant power circuit of Cerebro, which I guess is the yeah. tracking thing. And so so he's with Kitty, and for some reason he's like, here, Kitty, take this and run away with it. Like, she's the only one that is not supposed to be there. She has no training, and he's like, he's like, Kitty, just take this really important piece of equipment that Magneto, the supervillain, is after, and just, I don't know, like, get away. Like, he doesn't really give any other instructions other than, like, run as fast you know as you fucking can. You know what's weird, too, is that 
Professor X can read Magneto's mind here, and usually Magneto's helmet does prevent Professor X from reading his that. mind. That's a, a really... But he does read his mind. That's... Look, it doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm like hung up on the things about this episode that make no sense, but he's well, like, because... Magneto wants the mutant power circuit. By the way, you assumed that the mutant power circuit was the, the mutant locator, and so did I. But then when Magneto uses it later, it isn't I, that. I know, I it's know, like I know. You mean, it's I don't even I don't even know what the point of it. I can't, I can't even form words like, <laughs> Look, it does. This isn't it's even the most like complex magical... scene in this whole thing. Like, there's a battle later that I like completely like don't understand. But I mean, we'll get there. Okay, so, so anyway, so Kitty has this object, and like <laughs> she's running, she's running the away. She's trying to get to away from Magneto. Magneto, and Magneto's and in this whole situation, like everyone's like, get away from Magneto. He's a terrorist. And Magneto's actually very politely asking kitty to give him the thing and he's like kitty you have to give me this thing because the humans are going to kill us and kitty's like i would never trust you and he's like please hand that to me child you don't know what you're doing you don't i don't know why you're here and like he keeps on politely asking her like he could just take it from her i'm assuming it's made out of metal and he just keeps on being like please he's like trying to get her to trust him and it's well he's also trying to get her to come to his side i think because she's yeah. a new like mutant it's like so it's, a, it's important to note that Magneto isn't actually a bad guy and like even though they like he becomes absurdly evil later on in this yeah, episode like though. but like in this instance he's actually being Magneto where he's like trying to be reasonable with a fellow mutant uh that, right. that he hasn't met before and he's also sort of being like Xavier what are you doing why are there, why are there literally children here now like what are you doing yeah, with your yeah, life yeah I mean, both Xavier and Magneto are flawed characters normally. Right. And I think that's what's interesting about them. But this episode does not have time to get into any of that. No, it, it does all. not. It has no time. So <laughs> so then Magneto's like, all right, well, if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to just make uh, Japanese like porn tentacles come out of the wall. Yeah, all these wires come <laughs> out and electrocute Kitty. And then she falls through the floor, but not before throwing the device I was going to say, she literally throws at it at Magneto like a football. He's like, yeah, score, touchdown. And he like leaves. He, <laughs> she like throws throws it directly at him it's really silly <laughs> um anyway it, so she falls through the floor and escapes the 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 whatever they are wires tentacle okay, wires and the best part is that Magdu catches it and the thing he goes the only line he has is ha, 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 the world is mine and then he becomes super evil and like blows out of there and i'm like wait what what do you mean the world is yours what yeah what are you trying to so accomplish here what i thought he was going to accomplish with this was that he was going to find other mutants and try to that's recruit what i them. thought too but then he doesn't even do but that that isn't what happens at no all. it turns out i mean it, how far along is it is this even a spoiler like i mean no it's a 20 minute episode. i mean okay well let's get to the next okay scene. So, so the next scene is the blob and pyro on a comet okay base yes yeah, so this, this, this whole thing is insane because i didn't even understand like what was happening here i didn't either and i had to watch it multiple times i didn't know honestly didn't, you, i still have a lot of questions because well they, so, they they're going to space right like the x-men are going to space and like or is that later The x-men get on the x-jet it's called something else the blackbird yeah and they're flying to space um and i they somehow leave for space before professor X. no okay so this this part isn't in space yet that's i'm looking at my notes down because i was like i don't think this is correct i don't think they go to space until later okay, i think this is so confusing 
I think I think this is their introduction of Blob and Pyro, but it's not the last time you see them. So like, okay, so it's a different base that Blob and Pyro are yeah, this, in, and they captured this random family, and we never find out why. Oh yeah, I know it, it's really absurd, and it's like a family of minority too, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's like a multiracial family, right? Uh, and it's like, but also, who are they? I don't know. So there's this random family who's been kidnapped by Pyro and the Blob, who are working with Magneto. They're part of the okay. So basically, um, they have a fight, and I did the only notes I wrote down about this because this is all I could gather from it is that they beat. Well, they don't even really beat. Like Pyro and Blob get away with something really important, and I don't even understand what it is, or maybe it's still the same piece from before. Um, I was I I was feverishly like trying to write notes and pauses, and I was like, there's so many pieces going on here. And so, well, all I know is that Storm that says, get... it looks like Blob and Pyro got what they were looking for. And Cyclops is like, well, whatever it was, it poses a threat to the human race. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, how does he know that? How does Cyclops know it poses a threat to the human race? Like, based on what? Like, I mean, it's really unclear. And this scene is actually really quick, too. Yeah. So I think it's almost like there was something that was cut out, especially since it's not explained why that family is kidnapped, which the X-Men frees them, which is great. But like, why? Who are I th- they? I don't so, know. And so I think I think they're maybe in some sort of base to find out some information about this comet, which I mean, spoilers, but later they're going to be redirecting this comet to hit the planet Earth, which makes but no they, fucking sense. They keep, but... they keep mentioning this Scorpio comet in this scene, but they don't mention what they're going to do with it or what they're just gonna make out with it but they do mention it (laughs) they're Um, gonna have a giant makeout session with the planet they're just gonna like make the comet kiss earth (laughs) very lightly (laughs) uh, they they don't they don't explain it and then all of a sudden pyro and the blob are gone and it's a different scene and we see them on this other base where which is in space right but but which is confusing because it's in a different i know that's that's what we got so confused but before that happens they're like oh we need to like go back to Xavier's Institute and figure out what's going on. And Storm's like, okay. And she like makes a tornado come by that picks them up and teleports them away. Like, yeah. you know, like in Mario three, when you use the whistle to call a tornado that whisks you to another world, like Storm apparently has like teleportation tornadoes. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Storm tornado- is the only person doing anything tornado. in this entire I episode. I laughed so hard at that. I was like, how is Storm's tornado getting Why in Kurt out just of a do sealed that? Like, room? All right, whatever. I'm just getting really like, worked up here so anyway on the base that's actually located in space on a different asteroid this is actually in space now yes yes now they're in space um as opposed to when they weren't two seconds ago there's a random tiny dragon it's lockheed i mean lockheed's like an important part of the x-men canon but i don't know why he's there on asteroid this episode no i don't know why he's there in this other to just be like the pet that kitty eventually adopts but in this Uh, scene magneto kicks the little dragon for no reason. Yeah. There's a miniature dog-sized dragon. <laughs> and Magneto like, just like, angrily walks up and I kicks like, it. I like how you keep on being like, why is this here? And I'm like, oh, it's just Lockheed. But when you explain it like that, you're like, <laughs> my little poodle dragon. He just Magneto's kicks it. across the room. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't I... know why he's there. All right. So anyway, uh, technically Lockheed's a, an alien. He's not a dragon. So that's that's well, why I guess that's like why he's dragon, there. But yeah. OK, so anyway, also, Toad is here. Toad and this is, is there. like one of the earlier variations of Toad where like they didn't really know what they were doing with him. So he's just essentially like 
Igor, and he's like, yes, master. Yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah. you want, master. And he's and was, like dealing with the electronics. He's setting up some sort of complicated electrical machine that we don't know what it does yet, is, but he's like, the circuits are complete. And Magneto's like, thanks, go play in an airlock. And I, I was know. like, why is like, He literally like, says, okay. he literally says to Toad, go play in an airlock. Like after Toad finished helping him with this project. <laughs> I forgot about that. I didn't even write that down because at the time I was like, Magneto just like told Toad to go kill himself. Essentially, like, after yes. Toad did all this like crazy important work with electronics, and Magneto's like, "Good for you, now go kill yourself." Like, I mean, essentially, yeah. I don't know. Like, this is Magneto is so evil in this that it's absurd. He just kicked a little dragon and then to- told Toad to kill himself. So <laughs> then we're back to the X Men. Um, yeah, they find the professor, and Storm, like, t- Tornier teleports. Oh, wait, no, I guess there's, like, something where, like, Xavier's somewhere else, and they're like, where's Xavier? And Storm's like, and they find he's up him here, and he so Storm, hurt. like, gets another tornado that, like, moves him down to them. I like I, I like how I wrote notes and watched this, and I've seen this a million times, and, like, I'm still unclear. Oh, yeah, unclear. by the way, we've seen this, like, six times. <laughs> We're gonna watch it again before we see Logan on Saturday, so. We've seen this so many times, and I still don't understand it, and I don't think anyone does. Oh, it's no, just no. Uh, it's just 22 minutes of garbage. <laughs> so then they're in this like weird locker room almost. And like Professor Xavier is like lying on a tablet for a second. And then all of a sudden he's fine. And everyone's like, where's Kitty? And then all of a sudden she's there and she's also fine. I know. So then Kirk, I just, she's like, he's like, Kitty, what's going on? Kitty Fräulein. And then Dazzler <laughs> steps in and she's like, whoa. <laughs> she's like she's like calm down dude and she's like also because kitty's also just screaming like yeah kitty screaming. keeps screaming at everything and being like i thought this was all a dream and then wolverine is like i can't believe we're putting up with this whiny kid i know he's like i can't believe we're putting up with this bullshit and dazzler finally steps in and has a line she's like whoa okay so kirk calm down like you need to stop creeping on kitty and kitty like he's just a dude like stop screaming like see he's like you can pet him if you want you can give him treats like he's like a dog kind of like he's really cool like just don't worry about it and kitty's like well okay i'm sorry <laughs> so like... kitty's like i guess all men are dogs i mean yeah. in this show they are um, <laughs> so okay when, when do we go back do we go back to the space at this point oh everyone gets on a rocket ship well and, and no, professor like whole... x is like Kitty, it, no first xavier is like trying to figure out what's going on with magneto and like i think he like taps into magneto's like head and because right, all i know right. is that like eventually it winds up with like, xavier doing the classic like xavier bullshit where he's just like grabbing his head and being like oh, oh the power <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then somehow he finds out that Magneto's doing something in space with a comet. I don't remember how much information he finds. I like out how neither of us can explain this at all. Like the other, I feel like the animated series is going to be so much easier to explain. Hopefully, I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, none of this matters. But anyway, no. so I will point out that Colossus, into... whenever he's not like armored up, looks like he's like going to be in some kind of porn. Like every single he time, he does. But and so does everybody in this. Well, I mean, yeah, it's... but Colossus especially because like then all his like armor goes away. So then he's just wearing like like knee-high boots and like like uh a little like v-shaped sort of outfit i mean there's a lot i mean it's barely covering him 1980s outfits i mean i i I, all i know is that i saw him and i was like oh every every single time i'm like oh colossus hey Hey, colossus (laughs) 
My name is Whereas my name is Ryan. Wolverine my, my... isn't that hot in this. Like well, Wolverine not... never takes off his like pointy mask in this. He's got his boomerang mask on. So like, oh, okay. I don't know if we're there yet, but oh no, we're not there yet. I'll mention it later. Okay, so so Katie Pride is like, I want to go to space with the X Men and and help stop Magneto. And Professor Xavier is like, you can't go because you haven't been trained at all. Yeah, and and so she and, <laughs> and then. She just goes anyway. No, but one of them is like, it's like, you can't go, kid. She goes, stop calling me a kid. I'm 14 years old. She does say that. And then Professor X is like, okay. But seriously, though, you haven't been trained at all. So you can't go on this mission at all. Meanwhile, Magneto has captured Scorpio, like, by throwing a Pokeball at it. And he's like, great. He's like, he's like Pokemon. He's playing Pokemon Go up in space. He captures the Scorpio comet. He's ready to just. <laughs> this is where he explains his plan, which is like, which is like, he's like, which he's is like, about that logical, by the way. He's he literally is just like, well, since the humans and mutants can't get to get along together, I'm going to save the mutants by killing everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, he literally read. He uses. He somehow uses that circuit that he got from Xavier. I thought he was going to use it to save all the mutants and then kill everyone. Me too. But he doesn't. He's just wasting our time. He's like, you know what? This is taking too long. I don't even like Toad that much. I don't really like the Brotherhood, but they're the only mutants we're saving, according to me. Apparently, I'm going to kill everybody else on the planet Earth, like right out of the gate, which is wow, dude. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? Like, like literally like. 20 minutes ago you were being really nice and polite to kitty pride asking her for this piece of equipment you were saying that you were going to save the mutants but now you're just like fuck it i'm killing everyone i have a dinner date at eight this is taking way too long like it's it's really i don't even understand how this works so he stands on another circle of some kind and he shoots a power beam out from the space thing yeah and, and then he captures the comet. he captures I, the comet and then suddenly the comet is headed towards earth because right. of magic none of it is explained i don't know but all. he's he's it, it sort of did remind me of the first x-men movie a little bit where they like toad is building this machine that the like magneto then uses against everybody so i feel like they pulled some of that from this yeah um, but it, in this he's just trying to kill absolutely everyone yeah well i'm sure when they were making the x-men film they're like we probably don't want to make a superhero film that involves this magneto killing everyone on earth with a terrifying comet like (laughs) i mean it doesn't he doesn't even have a character motivation in this so i don't blame them no he doesn't so meanwhile kitty's kitty's pissed off that she can't go which is just goes anyway though i know both of those things are like the most kitty pride things that she does in the episode which is like be angry that she can't go and then goes anyway but then she also says goodbye to professor x and he doesn't stop her okay but also like professor x is a psychic and is like okay i know you're gonna go but but don't and she's like okay i'm going and he's like like, all the x-men have put on their spacesuits and they're floating out to the comet and then he goes over to like professor x goes over to the locker and he's like i know you're in there and she like stumbles out with potato (laughs) chips no she doesn't have potato (laughs) chips but like i can imagine her just eating potato chips like i mean like she's a teenager what do you expect like i she should have some twizzlers there's a lot of people hanging out in lockers in this kitty yeah that's true it's like it's like part of the x-men porn going on in the background uh, and so Xavier's just like, well, you're here up in space now. Your parents literally <laughs> your parents don't know where she is. I know. And I guess they and never find like, out. Don't worry, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Pride. Your child's up in space right now. I know we just met, but she's like on a comet. 
Also, she's 14. Like, also, yeah, I know. So he's like, well, I can't stop you. So go on this dangerous mission. She's like, okay. And she's like, runs the wall. I'm like, dude, you just ran out into space. Do you have, do you have a plan here? <laughs> like, She somehow is fine, though. Like, I it mean, all turns yeah. out okay. So anyway, at this point, they mention, Cyclops and Storm mention that Wolverine has a, quote, tracking power. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. But I'm assuming it's him sniffing the ground like an idiot. Apparently, yes, because they're like, Wolverine's going to use his tracking power to guide us to Magneto. And I was like, okay, that's not a power he has. <laughs> I mean, he has like heightened senses, so he tracks okay, things like a wolf in does. in space? <laughs> anyway, so they're all in their spacesuits, and Wolverine is sniffing around in his spacesuit and finds He's sniffing Magneto. around like while they're like flying in space. They find him, though. It works. It works. Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. There are tears on my eyes now, guys. All right. So they find Pyro, and he instantly starts... They find the okay, base. Okay, no, this is where they all do, like, one-on-one -on -one battles that I can't yes. follow. And it's, like... I know, it's so It's boring. all reminiscent of, like, a teenage film that Maddie and I filmed. Like, <laughs> we're, like that's the quality we're looking at here. And I mean, so, that's this is the kind of stuff we were parodying in that film. That, that I mean, made. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but definitely in the long run. So first of all, we have Dazzler versus Pyro, and they're Dazzler's like, "Don't Why worry, I'll take Pyro, care of this." Pyro suddenly is speaking in an Australian accent here, and I feel like he wasn't previously. I don't know if he was or wasn't, but he is actually Australian. He's the only one that should be. Well, so. in this, he's speaking in a very thick Australian accent, and he's like, "Let's get some shrimp on the barbie," and like yeah, lights and things like, on fire. Dazzler's like turning on a boombox and like putting on her Lady Gaga sunglasses, and she's like jamming and they just have like a dance off i guess that's how he dies because it's not really even explained oh they like, don't show these they fights, don't really. show the battle and meanwhile storm's like okay you got this dazzler even though i could just make it rain on his fire but bye and it's yeah like, storm leaves yeah and then but i don't uh, know where storm goes because we never see her again like then colossus fights i mean i fight? guess maybe maybe she fights toad because it's not clear to me how toad ends up in the cave oh wolverine puts him there oh is it i blinked and like that scene was over all of these scenes went by in like a flash wolverine i didn't, ends up I didn't even bother to rewind the stuff at this point because I mean, like i'd already boring. paused it like 20 times and i was like i don't i'm just gonna make notes of who's fighting who well, and then wolverine it's colossus versus Jugg juggernaut which is the only one yes. that makes any kind of sense it does except that their fight is stupid because they just grab this huge stone pillar thing and then they start pushing it yeah somehow it doesn't other? make the comet collapse and like shoot them off in space somewhere i don't even know where this huge stone comes from but they're like whirling around each other with this massive <laughs> stone between them and then they like push it towards each other it's and like, they're like Rah! they're just like jousting Basically. what's that olympic gladiator sport you do where you stand on like the pedestals and hit each other with sticks i don't know but that's what they're essentially that's what doing. They're essentially doing and then the final battle is like blob versus nightcrawler which isn't even a battle because Bob's like, no one can move the blob. And Kurt's like, well, he like bows. He's like, I don't plan to. And then he just like disappears. And he's like, and the blob is I'll like, where did he go? I know. <laughs> yeah, Blob's always like made out to be an idiot. So I guess that's, that's terrible. But like, I mean, I like didn't, I didn't understand why these were the villains that they chose. I was like, you already have the juggernaut. Really? You're going to pick the blob Unfortunately, also? Uh, unfortunately, the blob, like canonically in everything he's ever been in has always been like, like obese and stupid which kind of sucks yeah honestly. it's a shitty stereotype it's, i mean it's I, super I stereotype like this i and i feel like it, it's a missed opportunity to like have another female villain potential i mean i didn't like who they chose here but uh, whatever yeah. that's honestly the least of my concerns with i mean this i guess i guess blob in general as a character is somebody that could be like really awesome 
because like he's not his power isn't even like like being like obese like that's not what it is it's like he's his he just has all this crazy mass that is supposed to like break through walls and stuff and nobody can move him and stuff like that yeah but, like instead they just like make fat jokes and it's like really annoying and like i i don't know why they can't get away from that but it this is the first time he appears in a cartoon and they do that and it's like all right all right we got it kurt's actually pretty great he's like i'm not gonna even fight you dude like I I don't know why we're even fighting right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Kurt doesn't really need to fight anyone because he can just teleport around. Like, yeah, that's his I power. mean, like, and that was so smart. he can get out of stuff and and he's fine. So anyway, he gets he gets to the main room where right. we find out that Magneto is like, you know, I think this is when we finally find out that Magneto is propelling the comet towards Earth. Also, I feel like before so, this, like, we his don't powers really apparently know. in this are portrayed by a bunch of laser beams just flying all over the room. Yeah, he has he has the power to sort of like shoot beams of light from his hands, which is weird. Um, so this fight scene I watched multiple times because it was so confusing. It, oh my god, I know. I this mean, is okay, the so final climactic fight scene. I, I okay. guess I mean, if you want to give it a go, go for I'll it. I'll give it a I, go. Okay, so Magneto is like gesturing to this screen, being like, "In three minutes, the comet is going to hit Earth," and Kurt is like really scared, and he's like, "What? No!" And then kitty kitty rises out of the floor right in front of magneto magically somehow and she's grabs like hey his hey hand, hey grabs <laughs> his hand and stops him from like hurting kurt magically how did she know to do that then or go there i, I don't, don't know, know. Like- so then then that he shoots his electromagnetic charge that he was gonna shoot at kurt into the ceiling where his uh machine circuitry is installed and he blows a hole in the circuits yeah and um He's like, ah, it's too late. You can't stop the comet because I already set everything up. And then she somehow Professor X is like shouting at Kitty or whatever. I guess he's using his mental powers or whatever. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Kitty, Magneto's in position now. And then Kitty somehow looks at Magneto and pushes him perfectly back into the machine again. (laughs) And then it powers it back on. And then Kurt jumps up on the ceiling and connects himself to the circuit yeah and then it causes it to run right and then they, that doesn't they make any sense by the way the comet none of this makes sense the, the, absolutely nothing because magneto is like it's like he's like it's too bad for your friend nightcrawler because the in order for the machine to run it has to suck out his body energy and i was like what i was yeah, like because wait, he's what? like using his body to how connect is kurt, the two circuits how is kurt, like stuck to the ceiling like i know that he's like nimble and he can like hang on to things but like he's like crawling around like fucking spider-man up there yeah he is it's weird and it's not his power to do that (laughs) but he is he's crawling around on the ceiling and so he's basically just using himself as an an electric current because like you know how if you pick up two pieces of of wire you can you can connect the circuit you know just like as a human that's basically what he's doing but so he's being electrocuted up there (laughs) and is therefore completing the circuit that will redirect this comet i guess i don't know but like I guess it's redirecting it because like it doesn't end up hitting Earth and like they don't everybody see where the comet ends up point, by the way except for Nightcrawler because Kitty's like I'm not gonna leave you and Nightcrawler's, and Nightcrawler's like, like you have to you know, even though like they spent the entire episode being like ah, and all creepy and like now suddenly now Kitty's Kitty like feels you're my bad. best friend. She and feels so, bad because she's like, oh, Nightcrawler's giving up himself for everyone because Magneto's like, too bad. No, Nightcrawler will die. Ha, I know, ha, I know. And he's like, and then he, he floats away. He literally just goes, ha, 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 creates an orb and just floats away. And then you never see him again. 
I Maggie just floats like, all the way he's back like, to Earth. Your friend's gonna die. Well, I'm out. Bye. And like, I don't know where he goes. But anyway, so so Kitty and all the rest of the X Men, who I guess were still fighting the other villains in other rooms, all go back to their spaceship magically, and well, they get also, there in time. You have to make note that Kitty like sees Locky flying around. She just like picks up. Oh Lockheed yeah, she picks up the little it. dragon. Yeah, and so and that I guess that's how she gets Lockheed in this series. Uh, and like no explanation sure. why. <laughs> and then meanwhile kurt has to teleport out of there at the last second so they're like well they don't know until the comet is almost there they i mean like professor x or is dying because he's him. like they're like they're like oh they're, go- they're like there goes kurt burning up in earth's atmosphere and like well because kurt teleports out right after he redirects the comet to where i don't know because well, they the, don't say they're all like crying because they think nightcrawler's dead but then yeah. like they hear him teleport into the locker and they rip it out and like colossus like picks him up and like spins him around and i really every single time i've seen this since i was a child i'm like dude are they gonna like make out what's happening here like this is like the gayest moment in this whole episode it's like it's pretty adorable but don't worry this is about to get super straight because then kitty walks up to kurt and she's like i'm so sorry for thinking you were creepy before because it turns out you're great and let's gently kiss each other on each other's cheeks (laughs) i know i know like kitty you're getting in the way here because like because then immediately <laughs> after Lord's like uh Nightcrawler and Colossus are like forever into Kitty and Kitty's like, well anyway, I'm done. You guys can bail and bane each other, I guess, but you know. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> well, no, I mean sort of. I mean, because then they're like, Well, good job, Kitty, you did a great job. And Wolverine's just sharpening his claws yep. with his He's claws. Just in the corner. No, like he's sharpening. sharpening his claws with his claws, which I'm like, I'm like, how is that effective? <laughs> you know how if you have two knives and you sort of like sharpen them against each other, it sounds and looks really cool, but, but it, doesn't yeah, it doesn't actually, actually do, do anything. anything yeah. Other than damage the knives. So he's just doing that. And he's like, she's not an X-Men yet. And I'm like, Wolverine, you did zero things in this episode. I know. Zero that's how things. it concludes. Which is interesting to me that Cyclops and Wolverine are just in the background of this episode. And like, it is kind of interesting. Because like, yeah. they're like the two characters. It's like when you think of the X-Men, like and if you don't know anything about the X-Men, you can at least identify that Wolverine, Storm, and Cyclops are the X-Men. And you probably think that's what the X-Men are. Uh, but instead, this focuses on, on Kitty and Nightcrawler and a little bit of Storm uh dazzler gets some lines in there i mean i think professor xavier is a pretty heavy yeah that's true but all of his lines are exposition and magneto like so i mean so at least charles and magneto is going on but like wolverine and cyclops just stood around in the background like picking their noises and like storm was like okay i guess i'll leave the mission and like teleport everyone around with my tornadoes because nightcrawler's not doing that uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Nightcrawler doesn't really teleport anybody in this, which is interesting. I mean, everybody's powers are wrong. Yeah, and then, okay, so and then for wanna... some reason, this never got a full series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. For some reason, people watched this and they were like, I don't really think that this should be a show. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know if other episodes are going to be quite as long as this one, but uh, uh, <laughs> to explain everything that happens in this, like, fucking wacky episode is like i mean like it, it took me i had to pause it like 55 times i, I was did like, too because what? i had to keep re-watching it so and i've seen this movie and i mean i, I keep know, calling I it a movie it's not a film it's not a feature-length film it is a <laughs> animated cartoon so, so i think we have to try to talk about like the political all right you know so, I mean, impact and implications of this because that's our next section
I was going to see if there was anything specifically related to, but like this is the whole Asteroid M storyline, which we're which we're gonna revisit in like two seconds because like that's like one of the first storylines in the animated series. I guess the idea here is that Magneto is like, well, if our kind isn't accepted anywhere on Earth, we're gonna go build our own planet and live on it. But then, I mean, he quickly like d- I don't know backpedals that. He's like, actually, I'm just gonna kill everyone. Like, yeah, sorry I mean, guys. I- just in terms of like the larger political climate that was going on and like what informed X-Men at the time, which we haven't really gotten into yet. Um, something pretty major that probably informed the making of this episode was the AIDS crisis, because just in the nineties, that was still like a really pressing concern. And like yeah. a lot of gay rights activism was surrounding well, that. Also and being I think, gay was like a pretty good concern. Not that it's not now well, because it, like it was more so. And I, I think a lot of that had to do with just, you know, social stigma surrounding AIDS. And yeah. it's, it's something that's like worth looking into for people who are younger than we are and aren't as familiar with that. So I think a lot of X-Men stories were kind of about that tangentially. Yeah. And I think we kind of see some hints at that, like at the very beginning when Kitty realizes that she's a mutant and she's scared. I think that is supposed to harken back to like realizing that you're gay. I mean, that was the interpretation that I had of this episode. Well, I mean, I, 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 if you want to go down the gay route or even like any kind of minority route, um, like, like, cause if you, if we're somebody that's not like rich and white, I guess like, you know, like, and straight then you kind of fall into like the x-men category yeah potentially but But it's not a perfect metaphor by any means like if you we never have had a situation where we have left the planet yet although we just discovered seven (laughs) new earths so i guess we have seven more of those to destroy right now uh but um you can look at it as the fact that like you know for instance um i apologize to any of our non-new england listeners or like non-us listeners uh that a place like provincetown exists in cape cod which is where which is infamously known for being where like you know uh having a huge gay community if you're gay you want to go and live there and that's sort of like what magneto is doing here and there's a lot of places like that here on earth where it's like okay well everybody kind of moves to certain towns in certain places because that's where like people like them are and that's sort of like the implication here that magneto is doing so like and that sort of like is a larger political statement that tends to be Magneto's thing. And I mean, it can be construed as a negative thing. And I, I think that this is something that's still ongoing in a lot of activism now is like, you know, sometimes people who are marginalized want to just be with other people who are like them. Right. And like, that's okay. And there have to be spaces where that's acceptable. But it's also like, yeah, but at the same time, it's good to kind of figure out how to live in diverse communities. Right. And that's sort of more Professor Xavier's thing. And I mean, those are different schools of thought and activism that have gone on for a really, really long time. Right. And like every civil rights movement has <laughs> sort of struggled with that and i i mean that's what larger x-men themes are about but what sucks is that this episode really gives those political arguments short shrift i think because they don't really present them as anything and i mean these were these were complaints that people had at the time like i looked up some of the responses to this episode and people were upset that kitty pride is just like a damsel in distress who screams the entire time right and people were upset that it wasn't as mature as the comics were at the time right because i mean I've gone back and like read some old Marvel stuff from the seventies and eighties and, and, and honestly, 90s, like, and it's amazing. No, like, there's I, the, some great the stuff, stuff in the eighties is like really intense. Like there's like, there's like a, there's a whole thing where they all pretend to die. Like, you know, it's just like, 
it's a very intense time because that's when X-Men was reflecting on things. Honestly, I mean, even in the comics now, which aren't doing as well as they should be because of like the stupid fucking why am I blanking right now? <laughs> the aliens. <laughs> well, there are any number of reasons. I don't, I don't care about them. So that's why, that's why, uh, but <laughs> the storylines now don't reflect our current political well, climate, but at least in the 80s and do, 90s, though. they kind of try because like to... now, now in the comics, there's a whole situation where like, the x-men the mutants are being they're being forced to leave earth or they're going to die by this terragenesis cloud because there can't be like aliens and mutants like it just that's just not how it's gonna work and obviously you know like that becomes a whole other tension um so i think i mean like i think the x-men is forever been relevant because even like when new x-men rolled around the one that was written by grant morrison that was like really really heavy on like the bush administration and like that kind of shit I think the comics have always, always been sort of relevant to some degree. Uh, and in this, another thing to think of is Kitty. And I think later episodes of the X-Men animated series doesn't even do this that often. But Kitty comes out and says, like, you know, she hasn't even told anyone that she's mutant. Like, she knows she's been able to phase through things, but she hasn't told her parents. Her parents don't even know where she is. Like, yeah, yeah. She says that when she first meets Xavier. Right. And I like, think that is incredibly relevant to when this movie came out and even then later in the nineties, because like, like if you came out, like we, we reviewed this on insomniacs in the morning where we talked about, um, what's the name of that movie, but I'm a cheerleader and like yeah, the conversion yeah. kind of thing to that. As soon as you tell somebody you're gay, it's like, all right, well now you have to get out of my house and find a place to live. And like, that's kind of like the fear that Kitty is living in this. So yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not what her canon character does, but that's, that seems to be the, the aim of this episode so and i mean i think that's i think that's interesting and i mean i think there's there's a lot of intentional parallels there but i i also think this episode doesn't really handle them well no. so i'm giving it a lot of credit by even bringing any of this up but i know it's a segment on our show so i did what i could <laughs> um do we want to talk about if we want to move yeah, on yeah yeah all right well we're gonna move away from <laughs> politics for a second to view who's that x-men This should be the halfway point of our show, but it obviously is not. Uh, so <laughs> we are going to be choosing a X-Men character to highlight in every single episode of this to kind well, of... Well, this one is Kitty Pryde. Right, so, because... to, so and it's to talk about who she is in the comic books, because in every animated series that ever comes out, like, you know, they only get so much screen time to even, like, delve into these characters. And obviously in Pride of the X-Men, we do not get a, any of that. And then Kitty doesn't appear in the animated series at all until x-men evolution comes along so this is really kitty's debut so we figured kitty's a good place to start uh and i wrote down all sorts of like you know relevant notes on who she is like for example um she's from deerfield illinois uh so she's from she's from the valley uh some some important (laughs) things to note about her is that kitty is super smart she's really good with computers she's like an excellent computer hacker like she's really strong-willed her powers obviously are phasing through objects which can disrupt electrical fields um, but it also, this doesn't happen in this episode, but she also has the ability to, like, walk on molecules or, like, walk between them. So she has this ability to kind of, like, float around because of that, which has earned her other names before Kitty Pride was, like, what she was known as Shadow Cat, because originally she was right. named Sprite, which Storm named her. And then Professor X called her Ariel for a little while. And then after she became a ninja, which I'll get to in a second, she took on the name Shadow Cat. So... <laughs> Also, yeah. fun fact, like, there was a period of time where she became incredibly badass and wielded, like, one of Wolverine's broken-off bone claws. What? She just kept it on her and, like, 
like would fight people with his bone claw because it could regenerate no it was just like it broke off of him and then he grew another one but she kept it and then used it as like a dagger just like for fun man that's cold all right i mean she's hardcore like he tried (laughs) and that's the thing about kitty that people don't realize is that you know like they see her in these cartoons and like i'm like in the reason why people love kitty pride is that she was the first kid x-men she was also really smart and also sort of like a badass like i think there's also just any a stigma that happens with any young female heroine where it's like oh she's a teenage girl she's gonna be stupid right yeah pretty much and she is kind of like a feminine character and this episode really doesn't do her justice it makes her seem very stupid and like the damsel in distress that you are bored by seeing right but i mean i think the comics have kind of turn that on its head and i mean we'll we'll get to the other animated episodes and i don't know if we're ever gonna get to um the, the latter day the x-men evolution days we'll where I, I don't I, know I, I if sure that portrayal so. of kitty is because the x-men evolution episodes are like really funny to watch they are really funny so they're like I mean, really bad but i mean i guess you could probably for the next several years of our lives we'll we'll, get we'll see if we get a lot of a lot of views on this pilot people are like people have turned off like after half an hour in because they're like Oh fuck these guys! Like they're probably about the just X-Men. really confused because we recap the most confusing twenty-two minutes of animated X-Men history. It's so. <laughs> the most confusing animated anything of history. Yeah, I mean, you're so you're more familiar with Kitty Pride in the comics right. okay, than I so, am by a mile. So there's some other things about her, like she was the first canonical Jewish character that was an X-Men. That's rad. I mean, uh, there's also Magneto. Uh, well, yeah, you know, you're you're right about that. But that but he's that was half like, Jewish and it's on his dad's side. So well, sort of. yeah, exactly. And also originally they didn't they didn't get into that. They that was like a a, a, redo. a later edition. Yeah. When they like decide to go into Magneto's past and they're like, oh, he survived the Holocaust because we didn't know that right away. But Kitty is somebody we need right off the bat knew was Jewish. Um, and then she's she's affiliated with more than one team. I mean, obviously the X-Men, but. Uh, in the 90s, she joined the other mutant team that was out in Britain, Excalibur. Um, and she also joined Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a little while and uh, currently is running around with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, that's that's fun. Now, here's a fun fact that I didn't know. And I think other people that are hardcore X-Men fans did know is that Kitty names Kitty Pride's name is based off of a classmate of John Burns in art school. That's name is literally Kitty Pride. And like. She's like now famous for having that name. And she's like, I wish people would like detach these two things. Like people Aww. ask her all the time. Like she's like, they're asking her to guest at con. She's like, I don't, I'm just a normal person, guys. My name is just Kitty Pride. Uh, but he did ask her because she was like, he was like, you have a really cool name. Can I use it? So and she had no idea what she was getting into. Probably. No, I mean, well, I guess like they didn't expect the X-Men to be quite as big as it got uh, at that time. Or well, she I mean, just, course, or she just no probably didn't even read comic it. books and was like, oh, sure, go ahead. I mean, so. there's no way you could know how popular anything would become. Like, it's just taking shots in the dark, really. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I did want to mention how Kitty actually joins the X-Men. In the comic books, she is approached by two different schools. She's per- she's approached by Professor Xavier and then Emma Frost, because Emma Frost's intro to the series was sort of like, you know, she was part of the Hellfire Club, but she was also the rival school to Xavier. So, like... Anybody that tries to argue with you that, like, Emma Frost hasn't always been a teacher is distinctly in the wrong. So, uh, <laughs> and Emma is kind of, like, weird about it. And Katie's like, I don't know if I trust her, but she kind of trusts Xavier. So Emma's like, if she's not going to come to my school, I'm going to fucking kidnap her and make her go. So Dang. she sends, like, the fucking Hellions, or, like, the Hellions, not the Hellions. She sends, like, the henchmen from the Hellfire Club 
to go and capture her. But instead, like, she gets away and they, like, capture, like, Storm, Wolverine, and Colossus. And then this is also, like, an ep- like a comic where Dazzler, I think, was first introduced. So then there's, like, this weird team-up of Kitty, Dazzler, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Nightcrawler. And then they go and save them. <laughs> Sounds pretty similar to the episode that we just watched, except cooler. Because... Okay, but, like, so, like, when they go and save them, she's, like, this teacher that approached Kitty, Emma Frost, has them, like, locked in cages and like naked and she's like what the fuck is happening <laughs> they're like locked in bird cages classic x-men sexual torture scene i know i know and then gene gray and emma frost have this giant fucking battle uh and so anyway it, it, it ends with them like kitty helping them out because she has the phasing powers and then like they get back to the mansion and kitty's parents are there and they're like what the fuck happened like where the fuck's our child and they're like sorry everybody got kidnapped and was almost killed and they're like this they're like kitty cannot go here like she may be a mutant but like we'll find a better school than like whatever atrocity this is like you guys are fucking out of control and like they're so pissed so correct thing to do here is that jean gray just wipes their memories of all of it oh gosh and then they're like sure kitty can go to school and it's like the fuck (laughs) yeah i mean the x-men have never been morally right right all the time They've always done some sort of fishy stuff. Yeah, it's been it's it's really fucked up. Um, also, other things to note is that in Days of Future Past, which is a famous time uh, storyline that they based that movie off of. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll get to it because the animated episodes directly influence. Right. But but he's <laughs> not in those either. So in the actual storyline of Days of Future Past, it's actually Kitty that's sent back in time into her teenage body to go and like warn everybody about the uh-huh. future. These uh, are, this is getting into the era of comics that I've actually read. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's a whole thing. And in the movie, they didn't do that because... Which is too bad. It is too bad, but I understand why they ended up doing it because they were like, well, we can't send Kitty Pride back to the 70s because she wasn't alive yet. Uh, so that was sort of like a marketing decision. You know, she also becomes a ninja for a little while when she gets possessed by the uh, evil spirit Ogin. And then she gets to, and he gives him, she gives, he gives her all of his like ninja skills and she just retains them for the rest of like her canonical life. So Kitty Pride is also a ninja and that's when she adopts the name Shadow Cat. Um, and I also wanted to make note that she's, she's been around. This girl has gotten around because obviously she's like gotten it on with like Colossus and Nightcrawler, but originally she wasn't allowed to be with, with Colossus because Colossus was too old for her. Like he was 19 <laughs> and she was 13 and like, Colossus like sorry I'm too old for you and Kurt's like but not for me so like <laughs> they they end up doing this whole thing uh, when she's in Excalibur uh, she dates Pete Wisdom who re- leads Excalibur and that's who she loses her virginity to there's like a whole storyline about Cute. that uh, then for a little while like recently she like dated Iceman and then like immediately afterwards Bobby came out so <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Now, in the comic books, she's engaged to Star-Lord, like, from Guardians of the Galaxy, which I keep on forgetting about. I know, but, like, she's never been engaged before, neither has he, so it's, like, it's it's a little crazy that that's even a thing that's happening, so. Yeah, I didn't realize they were engaged until you told me, but I don't read Guardians of the Galaxy, I should. Yeah. Uh, Her best friends are, like, Ileana, which is Colossus' sister, who also goes by magic, and she's totally fucking crazy. Um, And also Nightcrawler. Aurora, 
she Storm refers to Kitty as the daughter that she never had, and Wolverine is sort of like her mentor. So like those are sort of like key relationships that carry on throughout all the different series that you see Kitty in. Uh, so she's she's actually very different in the comic books. Yeah, um, I mean, demonstrably, yeah. yeah. Also, like the whole situation with her and Kurt, like in the comics, it's it's you sort of touched on it a little bit. So she's like scared of him at first, but then they become friends. Yeah, slash yeah, date yeah, yeah. Slash friends again. And it's always been sort of on and off. And like, they're definitely like best friends. Like, you know, like her best friends are Nightcrawler and. I mean, Ileana. I get the sense that this episode was trying to set that up it, but, like I mean, a I, friendship I, or a relationship between them if if they were to get picked up for a series but i i think just like the introduction of it was really strange and i agree whatever it, it was very strange um i guess the only other thing i would mention about kitty is that uh there in the past like 10 years the x-men mansion has moved around a bunch so like they had an x-men island for a little while then the x-men location was like in los angeles and then and then after a bunch of bullshit happened, Kitty and Wolverine were like, you know what? We're going to reopen the Institute because none of these ideas are working. We're going to go back to what we know works. Um, and then Kitty ends up becoming the headmaster of the new uh, mansion, which is not called Xavier's Mansion. It's called Jean Grey's School for Higher Learning. Uh, but I want I, I really kind of love that because I feel like <clears throat> that's like the perfect arc for Kitty Pride is that, you know, she comes full circle where she's like the original kid student and then she ends up running the school so um i think that's always fun to note but that's kitty pride she is she is a very interesting character in the comic books yay okay colossus has a tattoo of her name on his chest (laughs) and then they never stay together oh that's oh that's sad (laughs) speaking Uh, of colossus it's time for our next section which is who is the gayest X-Men in this episode? And Maddie was arguing with me being like, we can't even make this a section because they're all gay. But well, I'm like, no, in each episode, there's definitely one that's like more homoerotic than the others. Okay, so it's really just which X-Men is the most homoerotic. i've already said it it's colossus he's like he's like super excited to see nightcrawler when he pops out like the way he's like holding him is like it's like oh my lover he's back and like (laughs) spinning him around into the sunset like there's that but i i also felt like pyro was presented as like very flamboyant in this episode too and you know what that's true it's not uncommon for a villain character to be framed as like very gay so i mean props to them for making multiple characters seem really homoerotic (laughs) i guess they had both a hero and a a villain be gay yeah i mean i i do think i did feel like pyro was sort of presented as like very flamboyant with his weird little hair I i didn't even think about that but that really I mean that that's I mean I don't know I that was my suggestion for this episode but I'm happy I mean, to let Colossus well, I mean I guess it makes it. sense because he's got fire so they're doing like this whole bad flaming yeah so he's like <laughs> yeah but I mean I like, think I everything's think, on fire except like, with you know. an Australian accent and you know how gay <laughs> they are in Australia weirdly Wolverine is not the gayest character in this episode but he doesn't really do, doesn't enough do anything to be gay I know 
I still go by Colossus because, like, whenever he is not wearing his metal form, he, like, looks like he belongs in a gay stripper club. He really and, does. Like, He's got a cute like, outfit on. We mentioned I just, it like, I never realized, to, like, how, like, as a kid, I'd be like, oh, wow, Colossus is kind of doing it for me. Yeah, which is funny because, like, he's totally not my type and also not a character I'm into at all. Like, but child but, Ryan was was able to have yeah, secret but, desires and, and, for Colossus. Exactly. I, I, I desired Colossus as a child, like a piece of chocolate cake. And so like, <laughs> Jesus. I just like, I was like, I really needed Colossus. I was eight years old and I was like, I don't know what these feelings are, but Colossus and I need to hang out naked. I mean, and he's so, pretty <laughs> cute in this. I, I, he is. I realize you're it, saying he's not your type, but like, honestly, consider it. He's, that's, he's, strong, I mean, <laughs> he's got a lot going for him. He's part of the X-Men. I don't know, man. Colossus in uh, one of the alternate universes of the comics is actually gay. Fun fact. Oh, interesting. That's so the, weird that they only make people gay in certain alternate universes. I know, but then they like come into like the real universe and then it's like legit. Like I don't know. So anyway. Um, so maybe Colossus will come out in the real universe, too, at some point. Yeah, I hope what he does, he does his like stupid move in like the arcade machine. So he's like, he'd be like, I'm coming out. Oh! <laughs> It's like clothes rip off and like it becomes like a gay club and bad music starts playing. Uh, anyway, that was really mean. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, that's yeah, so it. Th- this is we're almost at the end of our show. This, this is our show. So uh, we talked about who's gay. We talked about the politics. We talked about the highlight character of the episode, and we talked very extensively about what's happening. I don't think the other episodes are going to be quite as long as this one because. Well, we'll see. I think that recapping stuff can take a while, as has been. I, I agree, but like you know, I've seen a lot of the animated series pretty frequently and it and like not much happens. it's fast paced no it's fast paced and wacky shit happens but it's like not like this where it's like by the beat where like they're like trying to fit a whole movie plot in there and you're like okay uh <laughs> slow it down <laughs> i can't follow what's happening yeah i mean so we're up to the recommendations now though so would you recommend that people watch this maybe we should put this earlier as opposed to at the end <laughs> i just I realized know. that made no sense but anyway we're gonna do it at the well, end for this I was episode give it a rating. We'll um i give it like a two-star rating it's not good but like it's worth watching if even if you're not an x-men fan two if you're out like of five stars fan. is is our rating system um i you know i it's agree. two out of five x's excuse me sorry it's two x's um be- did you I, do that with Wolverine's I did. Claws? I actually motioned my hands. No one can see me. <laughs> you miss doing a live show now? Well, normally normally my co-host can see me for these shows, but not for That's this. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Well, soon, soon, soon we will. Because we're only doing it remotely until I move. And then, then, then we'll see each other all happen. the time. And Maddie is going to be like, please leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm saying two X's because... I actually think that this is kind of fun to watch. Like, it makes no sense. But in terms of no. stuff to have on in the background at an X-Men party, which we've hosted many an X-Men party, and we yeah, pretty we do much always single... put this on. I guess, I guess. And it doesn't I'm, make I'm gonna sense. I'm going to go ahead and mention this because we didn't even mention this during the qualifications, but we threw like legitimate X-Men parties, giant X-Men parties where we were all dressed up before we knew what cosplay was. Yeah, when we were children, little babies. Decorated them, I know, and like decorated out and like all of our friends would go. We made parody movies. Also, we still do that stuff. We, I know, we still do all those things, <laughs> but now the, I think 
but we now started we're doing over 30 so it's weirder <laughs> it is weird but we love doing it uh we do it at least we do it for like a movie release now so it's not just like a random x-men party where we just up yeah. although to be honest i would just do a random x-men party i mean so would i so would i but this is a good excuse to do it since the x-men movies come out like annually now and like originally when we started doing x-men parties when we were teenagers there wasn't was to be even really a reason we would just have an annual x-men party i don't know i don't remember how it started i like legitimately it was like an idea that our mutual friend katie mack and i had i think it started because of the x-men movies and then it just sort of morphed into us wanting to do x-men shit constantly. i don't know why there were so many like i really don't remember why we started doing it I mean, I, like looking back on it, I can't. I can't even like. We were just like, we're gonna have an X Men well, party. Okay, I don't know why any of this is in the show. Katie and I were infamous, Ryan, infamous for like remember? celebrating X Men birthdays and trying to pretend we were celebrating the birthday party. So well, I was wondering was if that, that was. But also, do you remember that at one point for Katie's birthday, you and me and Leanne dressed as the X Men without telling anyone that we were going to do it, and then we just showed up to her birthday party. Well, dressed. we like we were like we're gonna show up as the X Men for Katie's party. I don't even know if Katie was into the X Men yet. Was she? she? wasn't <laughs> i mean katie yeah, ended up getting like very into the x-men and, like, later the but, both of us. <laughs> but we were just assholes and we were like we're gonna dress as the x-men for this party and like i don't know why we did that well for following years we also did other stupid shit like yeah like, but i mean at least the x-men thing was consistent like we, we i mean that's true we that's started true. throwing x-men parties katie got more into the x-men and everyone did everyone we knew got really into them and yeah, that's like, just been true for our whole lives at this point and I, I think that's actually something that we have like this core group of friends that we've known for like our entire lives essentially and we all bonded over the x-men like literally that's how we came together we made movies and we threw parties about the x-men and so those six people are going to be the core audience for this show so i hope yeah. you all enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> no i think we might have a couple other listeners to the, to those of you who listened all the way through on our first pilot podcast i know it's really long and i'm sorry i don't think they're normally going to be this long oh don't I guess the famous they could last be, words they could be let's watch two movies dark night long i don't it's not. want that to happen <laughs> i don't whatever i mean i'm okay with that because you and maryland had a good time so that's that's all that matters okay so. but I, I i'm hoping that we don't have three hour episodes of this show but if people want to know what we're talking about we're talking about a different podcast that's also with right. atomic blue productions which is our yep. network and you can check that out at atomicblueproductions.com um and everything's also on itunes yeah and like here are other show yep we're st- <laughs> i'm i'm starting a couple other podcasts coming up so that's cool too we we make videos too just so you know yeah Atomic we make Blue videos productions has a youtube channel and we like we put out a sci-fi uh we started a sci-fi web series um that's based on old stuff that maddie have been writing for a very long time but yep. we also do parody videos so like we have like some resident we do evil resident evil parody videos <laughs> we also go if you like want to hear more about us like shooting the shit about our childhood we have throwback videos where we make fun of old movies we made together and stories we've written yeah so you can watch of some of the x-men parody movies that we made when we were kids that we've mentioned yeah. a couple times yep so there's all sorts of stuff we have let's plays up there too so please please if you liked this Please leave a comment, give us a like a thumbs up, and just like let us know that you liked it. Subscribe. Uh, tag tag us on Twitter at, at Ryan Pagella and Mitty Myers and the Mutant Ages. All three have Twitters, and um, also you now go give our YouTube channel a subscribe. Yeah, you honestly, there's Blue. like so many things you could follow. I mean, like basically I pick your poison. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever and Atomic Blue Productions is on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, 
Uh, we can't we can't list all 16 of these things at the end of every episode. Uh, Ma Maddie's we favorite Google Plus. Google Plus. <laughs> no, we're not, you're right. You're right. But you okay? We can say we can find each other, which is I'm Ryan Pagella on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm Mitty Myers everywhere. Yeah, I, that's good enough for now. I think on Instagram I'm Ryan Pagella because for oh, some reason, oh my god, Ryan, people will find you. Don't worry. No, they won't. They'll never find me. <laughs> Don't find me. <laughs> Oh my god, we did it! We, we recorded did it. our we first episode. Thank you everybody for listening. Bye! Follow us at AtomicBlueProductions.com or support us at Patreon.com slash AtomicBlueProductions.